and welcome to Unhedged, a candid discussion of markets and mechanisms. I am your host, Frank Trois, a 25-year-plus veteran of the markets, both bull and bear. Joining me on the show are market participants ranging from hedge funds to fintech, and as diverse and eclectic a group as winemakers and priests. All of us, like you, asking the same question we all do when we turn on the TV nowadays. Why? Unhedged is a weekly podcast, and on occasion a bi-weekly podcast, based on the subject matter. You can subscribe to Unhedged through iTunes. As always, your feedback is appreciated, both good and bad. So let's get started. Today's broadcast is brought to you today by Oracle. Oracle helps customers develop roadmaps, migrate to the cloud, and take advantage of emerging technologies from any point. These include new cloud deployments, on-prem environments, and hybrid implementations. Oracle's approach makes it easy for companies to get started in the cloud and even easier to expand as business grows. For more information, go to SohoCap.com slash Unhedged, and we can provide free cloud credits to our listeners. Hello, everyone, and welcome to this week's version of Unhedged. I'm your host, Frank Trois, and as always, a pleasure to have you tuning in. This week, we're very, very honored to have with us Ajay Segal from Nuvest Capital in Singapore joining us this afternoon. Ajay, welcome to the show. Oh, hi, Frank. Thank you so much. Glad to be on. Thank you. And maybe just for some of our viewers, Ajay, as you know, we have an eclectic group. Some of them are actually very sophisticated investors in hedge funds. Uh, others are kind of the layman. And I think one of the things that would be most interesting to folks uh, is your experience at GIC. And if you had a moment, would, would you mind walking us through what it was like joining GIC? And, and I dare I say it was over 30 years ago that you joined the organization. <laughs> yes, that takes me all the way back to when I started my investment career. And fortuitously, that was also the time when GIC was set up. So I had the uh, wonderful privilege of um, basically getting in at the basement level, if you like, uh, when GIC when GIC was set up. Uh, I believe I was among the first five people that they hired, and to watch that organization grow from scratch to, gosh, when I left uh, about six and a half, seven years ago, it had already grown to well over a thousand people with uh, about ten offices around the world. So that was a, a, a fantastic uh, uh, experience in my career, uh, for which I'm very, very grateful. Um, and I do. Yeah. Oh, go ahead. I'm sorry. No. Since you asked about what that was like, uh, it was uh, to put it in a nutshell, uh, it was a very steep learning curve because uh, when GIC was set up, um, you should. Note that the term sovereign wealth fund had not even been coined yet, but uh, we were very fortunate, you know, as a country to have leaders who had the foresight and they believed that uh, we needed an organization that uh, would manage the country's reserves. So they really gave this high priority, and we had some really good people who were brought in to help train us up as investment professionals. So I was I was in a very fantastic, very uh, privileged position. And and Ajay, when you joined, um, 
and again, for our listeners, sometimes they hear GIC and then separately when, when they look at Singapore, they'll also hear about Tomasek. What, what, what's the best way for, for folks to understand the differentiation between the two entities? Okay, this is going to be uh, simple and yet very complicated. <laughs> simple in the sense that we both <clears throat> have the same uh, common parent, and that's the, the government of Singapore, the Ministry of Finance, if you like, to be more precise. But where it gets complicated is that we are actually separate organizations with a very um, uh, distinct or very clear uh, firewall in between the two organizations that does not allow uh, strategies to be um, compared or, or, or uh, discussed and mm -hmm. also <clears throat> no common sort of uh, members of the, the, two board, the two distinct and separate boards uh, both controlled by the Singapore government, and yet there's no communication as such between the two organizations. And the reason for that is really to um, keep the portfolios distinct, and so there's no, uh, there should be no uh, perception whatsoever uh, on the outside that uh, there is collusion between the two organizations uh, in building up our uh, assets or, you know, uh, positions in whatever companies that we might be looking at. So there's separate entities, and yet uh, they have the same parent. Have I confused you enough? <laughs> no. Let, actually, let's take that a step deeper, yes. because it's, sometimes folks will look at um, uh, a simple definition of the two, where they'll say GIC is more the public entity in terms of listed securities, where Tamasek might be more engaged in uh, more private transactions. But is, is that definition a correct one or is it or overly simplistic? Uh, there is a lot of truth in that uh, because when you have to go back to the origin, why was Tamasek set up? Tamasek was set up by the Singapore government basically as a holding company for those uh, <clears throat> industries that uh, the Singapore government uh, wanted to jumpstart. So you had the shipyards, you had the airline, the Singapore Airlines, which is now you know world-renowned. But uh, back then, it was a, a very fledgling enterprise with no no um, investors who were interested to, to, to back up the uh, uh, company. So the government basically pulled itself up uh, from its bootstraps, put in their own funds. And the uh, same can be said about DBS Bank, which is now uh, one of the largest banks in Asia. Uh, these were all basically startup companies. And Tomasek, That's amazing. Tomasek was essentially set up to uh, as a holding company for all of these government-linked companies. But as these companies grew and became very successful in their own right, uh, they uh, basically were, were giving back to the government lots of you know uh, dividends, uh, which became surplus uh, uh, capital for the government. And over time. Uh, the Tomasek, uh, you know, uh, company decided to uh, plow back uh, some of these surplus uh, reserves uh, into other uh, companies, and that's how their portfolio grew. So you are right in saying that, yes, uh, there's a very large element of private equity, but over time, you know, they, they reinvested some of their surplus cash into listed companies, so they have morphed into... <clears throat> Uh, something that's a, a, a mix of 
private and public companies. Uh, whereas GIC was set up uh, separately uh, with the sole purpose of uh, investing the government's reserves overseas. So you'll find in, this, in, the, in the GIC portfolio, they have next to nothing uh, in Singapore. Hmm. So essentially all their holdings, all their assets are uh, held outside of Singapore. That's interesting. So, in an interest, so to your point, Tomasek was almost like the Singaporean, uh, well, technically the Singaporean sovereign private equity fund that was used to to help facilitate and jumpstart some of the the, the local industry. That is, that is correct? exactly right. Yes. So, and were they both started at the same time, or did oh, one no, no. one come before Tomasek the other? has a much longer history. Uh, Tomasek will go all the way back to, uh, I would say. Uh, 60s, 70s, when essentially Singapore was trying to develop as an economy and uh, mm. the government wanted to, um, like I said, you know, jumpstart certain industries, couldn't find large strategic investors. So they said, okay, we will uh, use our own capital to start these industries. So Tomase has a much, much longer history. Uh, GIC came about much later when the government uh, started to build up the uh, reserves. So these were surplus reserves, which traditionally are managed by the central bank. But because Singapore, uh, like I said, you know, we had very far-sighted um, leaders, they felt that you know the traditional model of uh, parking surplus reserves in in, in Treasury bills, very safe uh, assets, was probably not the most uh, appropriate or relevant model for Singapore because we felt, or at least our leaders felt, that our surpluses were going to grow. And since we don't have any other uh, natural resource to, to fall back on, uh, we should really um, be better uh, at, at, at uh, managing our reserves uh, try and get a better return, and that meant taking on a bit more risk. And that's uh, how you know they decided that perhaps it's better to have a separate organization rather than impose the burden on the central bank uh, to manage the reserves with with a different mandate altogether of getting better returns and take on more risk. You know that it. What's interesting, and in, in when you look at that definition of risk in terms of the the, the founding of GIC, mm-hmm. uh, was was there any basis or or a model framework that they used when when they started? Because you you bring up an excellent point, which is you know today we take for granted the expression of a quote unquote sovereign wealth fund, but but when you were there, that was really wasn't common in in terms of structure. And and candidly, you know, when when you look at the, for example, some of the pension systems that are out there, that's probably the closest model uh, to it. But but did GIC when founding was there a proxy? Did they say we we want to be like X Y Z system that that they used as a model to to build from, or was it completely new in terms of what they well, did? Well, it's interesting you should uh, mention that because it it brings back memories of the early day uh, discussions that were taking place, you know, uh, around the table among the, the founding fathers of Singapore, Inc., 
and uh, and GIC as well. And they were asking precisely the question that you just uh, posed. Are there uh, examples or models that we should be looking at um, to build up uh, GIC? And uh, surprisingly, there weren't any. <laughs> uh, the one that came closest, uh, I believe, was the Kuwait. In those days, it was called the KIO, Kuwait Investment uh, Office. And I think they were they were based in London. Uh, so, but I think the problem there was that um, uh, they were very secretive. And I don't think they were all that keen to share their knowledge uh, with, with, with anyone else. So, uh, the next best uh, uh, model that we could find uh, was the, the pension funds. You know, the pension funds, very large pension funds that were in London, in, in, in New York. And by and large, these uh, pension funds uh, were built on a uh, on an equities and, and, and bond uh, portfolio, essentially a 60-40 uh, model. So basically, that's how uh, GIC started. You know, we, we didn't know any better. So we decided to build a portfolio that was largely... Uh, benchmark to a 60-40 model. And and what's amazing about that is one of the things I always encourage visitors when they come to Singapore and if they're fortunate enough to have a a, a meeting at GIC is to, as you well know, when you first come to GIC's lobby, I think there's a terrific display on the left-hand side just as you're coming up to reception where there's a um, uh, an exhibit set up with a U.S. dollar bill uh, torn in half on what looks like an ocean of gold, and you know to your point, there was on the one hand there was an entire empirical framework that GIC was was evaluating, and the reason why the display is significant was relative to some of the policies that the U.S. had put into effect in terms of breaking against the gold standard. That in fact, Singapore at that time vis-a-vis acted independently and realized that in fact, from a policy perspective, that that wasn't in Singapore's best interest. And I always thought it impressive that that display highlighted, you know, the 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 independence and pragmatism of of some of the items that GIC had to navigate. Um, yeah, I think uh, it's very interesting. You should point that out because uh, when GIC was set up, uh, this was 1981. Uh, it would be uh, interesting to, to, to note that uh, in those days, inflation was uh, in double digits and uh, interest rates were, were, were very, very high, much higher than they are today. So the biggest concern of the day was uh, inflation and how do we even keep up with inflation, let alone uh, beat inflation and preserve the purchasing power. Uh, of the reserves. So that was the number one concern. And I believe that had something to do with why there was some uh, urgency in setting up uh, the GIC to get a better return than what the Treasury uh, bills were were giving us, which was way below the inflation rate. Uh, So gold uh, became an interesting uh, investment (laughs) instrument because uh, gold had this... um, uh, or people had the belief that gold was one way to hedge against inflation. So in the early days, we wanted to build a portfolio that 
also had some allocation to gold uh, simply because people were, or the, the, the leaders of the day were very mistrustful of uh, governments that could just turn on the printing press and <laughs> uh, basically <laughs> uh, monetize their way out of uh, uh, inflation. Mm-hmm. Well, I appreciate you being very kind there and not picking on my uh, uh, American roots, but uh, we, we, we lend ourselves to being made, of, made fun of on occasion. Ajay, let's do this. Uh, let's take a quick break. We'll let our sponsors uh, advocate their wares. And for our listeners, we'll be right back and dive a little bit deeper into Ajay's investment thesis in terms of what they used to do at GIC. And more importantly, what is he thinking about the markets today? We'll be right back. Today's broadcast is brought to you today by Oracle. Oracle helps customers develop roadmaps, migrate to the cloud, and take advantage of emerging technologies from any point. These include new cloud deployments, on-prem environments, and hybrid implementations. Oracle's approach makes it easy for companies to get started in the cloud and even easier to expand as business grows. For more information, go to sohocap.com unhedged, and we can provide free cloud credits to our listeners. And that'll do it for this week's segment of Unhedged. As always, thank you for tuning in, and we'll look forward to talking and speaking next time. Take care.